morning. I didn't want to stop. It might have been uh, ulterior motive that if we didn't stop, I wouldn't have to preach. But uh, shouldn't shouldn't be like that, hey. Um, <laughs> so let's uh, just take a deep breath, relax, shake it all off, and we'll lower our expectations. <laughs> No, no. All right, we'll begin. Um, yeah, we've been talking about uh, Sydney. Um, so Russ and Mary and Kate and I were in Sydney for our um, uh, national Australian elders equip time. It's sort of leaders from all the churches that we partner with from around the country come together um, for a few days of um, worship and input and hearing from each other and seeing what's going on. And man, I've been to a lot of these, but uh, wow, what a time this week was just just off the charts. Lots of stuff spoken about Launceston just out of the blue um you know it wasn't like a, oh we've got a new church sort of thing it was just like we're in the song and a guy comes up and yeah so th- there's there's big things promised for our nature and there's a sh- uh, for our nation and there's a shift coming so it's one of those times that I'll look back on and, and I think we'll all look back on and it was a, a milestone sort of occasion so we're hearing a lot more about that over the coming weeks from Russ um forgive me if I read if I don't we'll still be here two hours later and you'll be like what so, but uh, yeah, suffice to say the key message from that week was um, coming through so many people was God reminding us again of his desire for the lost and how our hearts must align with his in that. They have to. Um, but along with that, there was his promise to enlarge and equip us to fulfill that mission, promising that a powerful move of the Spirit will be poured out as the gospel of the kingdom goes out. That miraculous, the, the miraculous signs and wonders will uh, empower the message of the full gospel as it goes forward. And, um, personally speaking, uh, uh, Russ was sharing in one of the sessions, uh, we love Russ, <laughs> about a, a total paradigm shift in this way, and as were many others throughout the week, um, and I'm sure that we're going to hear a whole lot more about it. <laughs> and for me, just as he was speaking, the, the presence of God was so thick over what he was saying. I sat there and just I wept the entire preach. I don't do that. I, or if the Holy Spirit sort of comes in worship or something, there might be, you know, but I just couldn't turn it off. And uh, Mary spent the entire preach laughing at me because my eyeballs were sweating. So, all right, uh, let's go to John 14. If you've got your Bibles, it'll be up on the screen, I, I hope. We'll put them in in a hurry, I hope they're right. <laughs> so with all this in mind, um, being, uh, what we're going to talk about today is being sensitive to the Spirit and hearing and obeying God's voice. Uh, I'm going to get pretty practical. So Jesus uh, desires to partner with us to advance his kingdom. And we've heard this many times, um, but we're going to look at it again. So this is John 14, 15 to 21. Uh, it's titled in the New King James, Jesus promises, Jesus promises another helper. If you love me, <clears throat> verse 15, keep my commandments and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you, indwelling of the Father and the Son. A little while longer and the world will see me no more. This is Jesus speaking, obviously, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. And that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So this is how we know that Jesus dwells in us. 
The Holy Spirit dwells in us and is the empowerment to keep Jesus' commands. Jesus has stuff for us to do. He's issued commandments. There's a job to do. And our obedient response to that is the evidence that we love him. So it's pretty important. Yes, absolutely, we're saved by grace and not by works and all of that, but it's an empowering grace because there is stuff to get done. It's not a lazy grace. We're reminded this week by uh, Paul Collinson, leads a church uh, in Warrnambool, actually. We'll meet him later in the year. They're coming over. That grace is God's empowerment to do the things that we can't do. We can't save anybody. We can't heal anybody. We need his empowering grace to do that. The things that only he can do. So, yeah, we don't need grace to do the things we can already do. And can I ask you this? When was the last time you did something that you can't? Just think about that for a while. When did you do something that you can't do for him? All right, so how's he going to do all this? How's God going to get it done? Well, I'm glad you asked. In partnership with us through the Holy Spirit. Not through our own grit and determination and hard work, although it's going to take work, but primarily by the Spirit. Zechariah 4, 6, and come up there, it says this. So he said to me, we know this scripture. Uh, This is the word of the Lord to blah, 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 blah. Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord Almighty. It's not our effort, it's his. But what right do we have to expect to be used by and move in the power of the Spirit? How do we know we can be used by him? And we're going to go to, we're jumping all over the place today, we're going to go to Romans 8, which I reckon we could spend the rest of our lives in Romans 8. (laughs) Romans 8, 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. And this is key. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Just wrap your head around that. If indeed we suffer with him, then we may also be glorified together. So the Holy Spirit dwelling in us and partnering with us is part of our inheritance. It's evidence that we're his kids. We're part of his family. And as we intentionally die to ourselves and put to death the fleshly, earthly rubbish, um, we need the power of the Spirit to do that, then the void left by all of that is filled with his Spirit and his desires. And this is the evidence that we are sons, sorry girls, children of God and joint heirs with Christ. We could stop there probably. (laughs) And it's just life-changing and just massively significant if we can wrap our minds around it. I was thinking about this and as we explore all this, um, especially as we're new Christians or new to the things of the Spirit, it can be a bit daunting and frightening. Stuff happens and uh, we can feel out of control. We can be worried about it getting all crazy and fruitcakey and loopy and bizarre. But actually there's no safer way to live or more secure place to be because God desires his best for us. This, uh, this is our highest ideal, that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. John 16, 5. But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. This is Jesus speaking. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come. That's the Holy Spirit to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin. That's his job, not ours. 
because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Uh, Verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. You've heard Russ say this many times before. With the Holy Spirit, you lead us into all truth. It's a safe place. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things the Father has are mine. Therefore I said, he will take of mine and declare it to you. So we're being given this helper who is an interface between us and God. He shows us stuff of the things of God. The Holy Spirit reveals to us the things of God. Just stay on the script. (laughs) He is how even in our small, weak, worm-like human state, we can even begin to hear the voice of a holy God and connect with him, to understand his desires for us and the stuff that he has for us to do. The Holy Spirit convicts the world and he leads us into all truth. So we're convinced that it's pretty important and vital. But you'd be forgiven for asking how on earth does all this hearing the voice of God stuff happen? Well, the question we probably all ask, what if I'm just making this all up? Is it just me? So we're going to get practical, all right? (laughs) So how do we live a life sensitive to and led by the Spirit? I've got three points and here they come. We're going to go fast. Point number one, cultivate an intimate relationship with Jesus. So this takes intentional commitment and investment. And we make time for and we prioritize the things that we most value. We need to pray without ceasing. We need to never stop the conversation, never hang up the phone, so to speak. Always be in tune and have that line of communication open. We need to walk humbly with our God. This is all cultivating an intimate relationship with Jesus. It's the uh, beatitude that says, um, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about the implications of being opposed by God? It's not somewhere we want to be. And there's no shortcut and substitute for intimacy with Jesus. There's no formula for how to attain it. And it's going to depend on who you are and how God has made you. And can I just say, I get a bit frustrated with all the books and the programs and the formulas and the kitschy sayings and the, you do this and that'll happen and all this stuff that we hear all the time. And, uh, you know, lots of churches push this sort of stuff to this end. And the heart is good to, you know, to take people to a place of intimacy with Jesus because not everybody is the same. Not everything works for everybody. So, guys, be free of all that. But we need to say this. I was going to say, yeah, maybe I should get up at 5 a.m., and spend time in his presence. But the truth is, (laughs) I'm not sure I'm a human being then, let alone saved. I'm pretty sure I get saved at about 10 o'clock every morning after the second coffee. So so that's not my best for him. So that's not necessarily going to work for me, but there's a whole bunch of you that I'm sure it probably does. Um, But I'll say this, something, not everything works for everybody, but something works for everybody. And we're not going to accidentally find ourselves one day closer to Jesus with no investment on our part. We're not going to fall up the steps and go, whoop, oh, I've had this revelation and I know him a little more. It's not likely to happen. It's going to take investment from our part. So there's no magic formula. It's the intimate relationship with Jesus and the person of the Holy Spirit that we're looking for. Just draw near and I'll draw near to you. He promises that. And we could ask ourselves at the end of every day, 
Jesus, do I know you better? Am I closer to you than I was this time yesterday? Do I know something more about you? Have you revealed something new to me? Am I uh, more in love with you than I was yesterday? Sorry, guys. <laughs> and be honest. If the answer is no, it's fine. But in his grace, we just need to invest more. Push in, press in. All right? That's point one. Point two. Point two in living a life sensitive to the Spirit. <laughs> Number two is be willing. So willingly enter into a partnership with him. God doesn't need us. We know that. But he chooses to partner with us as we're a kingdom of priests called out to advance his kingdom. To try to figure out and do it ourselves is arrogant and kind of dumb. Why do we do that? The creator of the universe wants to partner with us for his purposes, but so often we just say, nah, it's cool. I've got it. I know what I'm doing. I know whether that person's soft or hungry. I know, I know, I know, I know it all. Maybe it's just me. Um, yeah, I've written here one of my main spiritual foibles is self-sufficiency. I'll just do it myself. But don't, be, don't feel bad, and I don't feel bad about that because humanity always has. From the Garden of Eden in the beginning, the Tower of Babel, making golden calves, things like that. It's like uh, yeah, the Old Testament and so much of biblical history has been this like dance between God and us of our having the free will to choose to do it our own way when we should do it his way and then him dragging us back, kicking and screaming when we got full of ourselves and we've wandered off on our own. Again, still even though Jesus paid for it all to give us the ultimate reconnection, we have to choose and accept. The Holy Spirit partners with us, but by definition, partnership is something that is willingly entered into by both parties. God's not a controlling dictator, but as co-heirs, he, he also offers to co-labour, which is pretty cool. I'm not sure about you, but if I'm going into a working partnership with someone, the creator of the universe and all of us seems to be a pretty good option. All right, point three. We've got more points after these, so I've lied to you. <laughs> so point one was cultivate an intimate relationship, be willing. Number two. Number three, just be responsive when he speaks. doesn't matter if we stuff it up. Just respond. So we've cultivated an intimate relationship and we're willing to partner and we, now we have the choice to respond or not when he says something. The more responsive we are, the more reliable we are and the more practised in hearing and more likely to be spoken to because the Spirit can get it through us and you've heard that catchy saying all the time that if he can, he'll give it to you if he can get it through you. It's true. I was thinking about this at work. Who, um, who are the, the people you're going to go to if you need to get something done? It's going to be the person you know is reliable and responsive. The one that you know will get it done. You'll probably avoid that guy. <laughs> we all know that guy. The one who always has a question, always has a suggestion of a better way, which is usually an easier way <laughs> that involves less investment on their part. Or the one who, despite you having chosen them, is very quick to suggest someone else because they're humble. We know this guy too. <laughs> often, uh, often humble is just lazy wearing a pretty dress. Or there's that guy who is all in and says they'll do everything, but it just never happens. They never do it. Yes, Lord, but my actions say otherwise. There's also, and this has been me at times, there's also that guy that just stuffs their fingers in their ears and pretends not to hear or just flat out refuses. La, 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 la. 
There's too much noise, so I can't hear you, Lord, and that's good because I won't have to do anything. <laughs> well, we just refuse. Um, you've probably heard plenty of stories. I don't know where this one's come from. Um, it's, uh, it's God asking things of people, think people that have done significant stuff in history. I mean, Billy Graham is one that comes to mind, many others. God coming to them and saying, yeah, this is what I want you to do, and them saying, surely not me, God. Why not this other person who's more qualified or better or whatever? And God replying with, well, you're the sixth person I've asked. So don't be that guy. I don't want to be that guy. Sometimes I am that guy. But let's not be that guy. We don't always have to know what to say or what to do. That's not the point. We just have to listen to the one who sent us. It's God's authority that authorises us to speak on his behalf. It's not our own. So there's nothing to be afraid of. God knew what he was doing when he spoke to you or when he asked you. All right? So cultivate an intimate relationship. Willingly enter into a partnership and just do it when he speaks. <laughs> All right, yeah, so easy, yeah. What gets in the way? What quenches our sensitivity to the spirit? I've got a few things here. I'm going to tell some stories. Number one... We'll put it in the middle so we've forgotten about it by the end, is the S word, sin. It's messing up the temple. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20 says this and a whole bunch of other stuff besides. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which is God. Guys, don't be condemned, but ouch. I was reading through this uh, yesterday and it's just interesting to me that the Temple of the Holy Spirit passage, even when it was written, deals head-on and directly with sexual sin. And we'd all agree that we live in evil days. Russ was talking about that when he spoke about marriage last week, that these are evil days. Um, the world is on a radical sexual decline into depravity at an ever-increasing rate. And we may say that, uh, that we have that all under control and let's hope we do. But what about all the other stuff? What about gossip or I really like those shoes, wish they were my shoes, how can I get those shoes? Well, I don't know why I'm looking at Fiona's shoes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, and all the other stuff that goes along. All this stuff is, uh, is uh, stuff that uh, we let into the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's what we are. <coughs> so, um, yeah, totally, man, convicted by my own sermon, but watch, uh, watch closely what you let in and be careful what you entertain. Don't be judged. We don't sit under judgment. Um, but the, uh, the Holy Spirit convicts and lifts us out of that. So we need to be intentional about that, make sure we do that. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, and that's not just the physical. Um, look out. Too many scones, jam and cream. We should watch what we let live in there too. Um, but yeah, watch what we let live in the temple. Don't fill the temple up with junk and watch your life and your doctrine closely. It's the stuff that gets in the way. Another point. Gets in the way? Doubt. What if it's just me? And I'm going to give you some keys uh, a bit later on to, to put all this stuff through, to filter it through. Very closely related to doubt is fear. What if I'm wrong? What if someone gets hurt? And there's more keys coming soon. I'm going to tell you a story. Uh, it'd be great if it had a more victorious ending, but it doesn't. But here's the story anyway. 
remember it's probably about 10 years ago we'd uh, we'd relocated to Sydney and uh, we were involved in a church plant up there and I remember it I can just see it clear as now I was driving along Glen Alpine Drive I'd been to a friend's house and was on the way home and uh on the left-hand side, very slowly mowing his nature strip was this sort of middle-aged guy um, with a lawnmower and he was just very barely trudging along. As clear as I've ever heard God in my life, he said, stop the car, pull over. Um, that guy's got a, a sore wrist, a broken wrist. Uh, if you go and engage with him, pray for him, I'm going to heal him. So, of course, uh, doubt set in, <laughs> fear set in. And I'd like to say that I uh, stopped the car and I pulled over and I opened the door and I got out and the Holy Spirit fell and there was glory all around and angels, angels sung and this guy had a new wrist, but I just put my foot down and drove on because I was afraid. What if it doesn't work? I doubted that it was God at the time. 20 minutes later, I didn't. <laughs> when I was at home going, you idiot. Like, what a missed opportunity. Um, talk about you know giving it to you so I can get it through you. Um, but yeah, anyway, so moving on from that. But, uh, we've all got stories like that, hey? But the point is, don't, uh, don't doubt and don't be afraid because it's not you anyway. Closely related to all of that, pleasing others, being comfortable, being normal. I'm normal. <laughs> like to think I'm normal. Being more concerned about others' impression of you than pleasing Jesus. I'm not sure where this really fits in, but I just wanted to tell you about it. Part of the journey of arriving at this place and this church kind of coming into being was, uh, yeah, we were here in Tasmania for a while. We'd moved back from Sydney and we were trying to figure out what on earth it was all about. We'd really clearly heard God to go and to be here, but we spent kind of two years going, well, what? what? Why are we here? Nothing was working out. Jobs were a disaster in, you know, in, in, in the flesh. And we we're in probably a pretty low place. Um, but one of the things that uh, that kept us through all that was just yeah was worship and and, and pressing into Jesus and and then the place we were at at the time uh, as a church, I had this sort of suggestion. I really thought God had spoken about you know just let's just gather a bunch of or create an opportunity to gather a bunch of people together, um, just to press into God, just to just spend some time in worship, see what the Holy Spirit does, uh, listen to His voice, uh, and just wait on Him. And there were lots of others around that were hungry sort of for this. So I. Uh, Started the process and, you know, maybe we won't put this up on the web, it doesn't matter. Um, I started the process and talked to a few people and then in the space of a week, two people said to me something that really rattled me and made me sort of question everything and think about everything. And, and, um, the first one said, um, just remember that you find it really easy to express your spirituality. You're really comfortable in the presence of God and just remember that not everybody's like that. And I sort of let it wash off and went, oh, yeah, whatever, you know, it was half expected. And then someone else a few days later said almost exactly the same thing, a really close trusted friend said, oh, you wear your, you're really comfortable in it, you wear your spirituality really easy and, and, and uh, you, you, know, you don't find it hard to press into God. And I don't say any of this to be arrogant, but I, just the second time around I just went, what? So what, what are we doing here? What are we walking in if, if that's not what we desire personally, but not what we would desire for others. What's the point? We might as well just pack up and go home. We're not here to be entertained. Surely making disciples is to, is to know him more, and to know him more, we have to be with him more. And we, so to be with him, uh, the, our instant response when we're with Jesus is to worship him. Why would we not want to do that? 
But, I mean, the good news in all that was that I guess part of those conversations were part of, well, perhaps we wouldn't be here. <laughs> part of the journey. And that's all okay. But, yeah, talk about pleasing others. It's like, oh, what will it look like, you know? We'll leave that there. But um, last point uh, under, under what quenches is, uh, I just wanted to throw this in there, is being led by our circumstances. And there's, a, there's teaching around, and we adopt it, of um, the opening and closing doors philosophy that uh, God opens doors and closes doors. And yes, he does that. But be careful with that. That some doors, uh, not every door that's open is for us to walk through. And some doors that are closed need to be kicked down. And while talking about the journey and the story, um, yeah, not long after what I just said before it happened, um, you know, Kate and I kind of decided, we thought, all right, okay, this is not our future partnership and that's cool. You know, it's not where God's called us to be. And we knew that all along. But um, so we're going to move on and we thought, well, we don't know what that means. We don't know what that looks like, but we know that our partnership is with uh, the NCMI guys, with the team. Um, and, and that's, that's where, our, where God has placed us there, the people he's called us to partner and labour with. So what does that mean? It probably means, you know, we'll move back to Sydney or Melbourne or we'll, you know, we'll go somewhere where there's a relating church and park ourselves there and figure out what that's all about. And we were totally willing to do that. We'd uproot the kids again and just, you know, in obedience and... And then, um, so we talked about this on the Sunday night and it's oh, an incredible amount of relief, you know. Just like, oh, it all makes sense now, you know. And then the next morning I get this phone call from this guy who I'd worked with in the past in Sydney and he said, oh, I've got an, I've got a, I've got an interesting, uh, got a possible opportunity here that maybe you'd be interested in. We talked for 20 minutes or so about what it might be with a company I'd done a bit of contract work for from time to time. And so we'll just leave it with you and see what happens. And then like three hours later in my email inbox was a, CEO, was a, a job offer from the CEO of this organisation. It was big. It was proper money and conditions that like they really wanted me to go and work for them. Let's just put it that way. Um, you can work from home. You can do whatever you like. You can you know, freedom for ministry and all this kind of stuff and we'll give you, you know, six figures and blah, blah, blah. And, and uh, I just went, oh, well, that's it then. <laughs> That's, that's obvious, that's, the, uh, that's where we're supposed to be. You know, God spoke to us last night and we're going to do, you know, do this thing and we're going to have all this money and it's going to be great and marvellous and brilliant and blah, blah, blah. And I just let it sit for a couple of days and I said, yeah, just, just give us a week or so to, you know, this woman thought I was a fruitcake, so we're just going to pray it through and she's like, okay, whatever. Um, and, uh, and we'll come back to you. And uh, within a day or so, I just went, no, no, this is not. And God just said, no, this is, not, this is, a, this is a distraction. This is not, yeah, I brought you here for a reason. Why would I do this? He sort of said, why, why would I bring you down here all this way, take you through all this stuff other than to maybe, ugh, maybe refine us a bit to turn around and take you back again? That's just bizarre. So anyway, yeah, just be careful of your circumstances. And I heard other stories this week, very similar, a guy that uh, went to plant a church or went to take over a church and they felt really clearly that God had spoken. But in the midst of that, there was this uh, these series of, again, job offers for the, from, uh, uh, from a bank that he'd left and a guy was putting together his team and, the, and this, this other guy said, oh, they'd said to him, if you wanted to pick your team, who would you choose, X, Y, Z person, um, we will get them. So this series of interactions went on and uh, more and more money and better, better and better conditions. And in the end, these people drive to this little country town where this guy was taking over this church, sitting with him in a cafe and more and more and more was coming at him. And the guy just in the end said, you're not coming, are you? He just went, no, no, not coming. God's spoken. But, yeah, just be careful of being led by circumstances. Now I'm rabbiting on. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> How 
How do we know? Uh, so, yeah, we talked about giving you some keys to filter doubt and fear and all, that, all the stuff we've just spoken about through. How do we know that it's the Holy Spirit speaking and that we're not just making it all up? So this could apply to anything, could apply to a big action like a relocation, could be uh, like a, a prophetic word for somebody or uh, something to be shared in church or out in, the, out in the marketplace. And so here's some stuff to filter that through. Number one, and we'll go through these quick. Is it glorifying Jesus? The Holy Spirit comes to glorify the Son. We read that earlier in John 16, 14. Is it helpful in advancing his kingdom and building his church? Does it draw people to Jesus? It's kind of like point one. Another key, is it encouraging and comforting or redemptive? So even in correction and discipline, the Holy Spirit is always redemptive and full of compassion. That's who he is. And I heard this in our prayer meeting a couple of weeks ago. Somebody said, Jesus didn't always do nice. And I thought about it. It's absolutely right. It's not always nice. But he was always redemptive. And he was always in step with the Holy Spirit. He said of himself that I only do what I see my father doing. And I'll give you this one for free. Is it coming from a place of intimacy with Jesus? Or is it rooted in hurt and offence? Oh, God will sort that person out. And I'm sure he probably will. But if you're really hurt and offended, he's probably going to choose someone else. Or he'll probably do it himself. There's a thought. But anyway, if we can tick any or all of these off, uh, I think that the fear and the doubt that we were talking about before starts to fall away. It's, well, I can't do any harm here. It's glorifying Jesus. It's going to advance his kingdom. It's going to build up his church. All right? So, coming into land... I have no idea how long I've gone for. That's a rookie, rookie mistake. <laughs> so church is built and people are reached, and this is the key, as we partner with him. So to do that, we have to, have, we have to hear him in both the big things and the small things. And I was reading uh, Acts 2 again last night and I was struck. I'd probably noticed it before, but it just really caught me again. I was struck that the very first thing that happens after the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost isn't some happy, marvellous, soaking glory time where everybody falls over and all that stuff's great. That's the Holy Spirit moving. But the very first thing that happens is that Peter gets up and in his newfound power of the Holy Spirit and anointing, he goes, uh, throws open the, the doors and he addresses the crowd and he delivers the most powerful, complete, concise, well-formed, anointed gospel message. And people are immediately cut to the heart. They repent, they're baptised and thousands are added to the kingdom that day and daily after that. The very first thing that happens. So the, the, the anointing and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is for a job, it's for a purpose. It's, it's, it's because we have something to do. We have a kingdom to advance. Um, John 10, 27 talks about uh, my sheep know my voice. We just know. And if we cultivate an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit, we, we know his voice. So it can't be formalized. That's not a word. <laughs> can't be corporatized. Can't be sanitized, pasteurized, homogenized. It's <laughs> getting distracted. Sometimes, uh, sometimes it's messy and sometimes it's unpredictable. But the, uh, the mess and the unpredictability aren't because the Holy Spirit's chaotic and out of control. He knows exactly what he's doing. It's because there's something wrong with our expectations. We perceive chaos, self-sufficient, we perceive chaos because we thought we had it all worked out, how it was going to go. 
his plans are perfect. You know, it, um, just being honest, like in the practice this morning, stuff going on, and we've got this, you know, new things happening. I was like, oh, it was all a bit, ah, yeah. And I'm sort of peeking a bit, so I really wanted to sit down and read over my notes before I preach, and I didn't get time to do that, and what was going on? And then we just enter into this most just marvellous presence of God and glorious worship time because it's about him. He always had that in mind. Just, just don't worry about it. Don't worry about the stuff. His plans are perfect. And this is why we have to stay soft and nimble and willing to change and respond in a moment because we don't have the whole picture. You know, I've heard people say lots of times, oh, well, the Holy Spirit can show us what to do three months in advance. And yeah, sure he can, maybe give you a big picture. But he can also turn on a dime in a moment and want to do something else. So we've got to be willing to respond to that, stay soft and nimble. And when we submit the things of the Spirit... I read this somewhere this week. When we submit the things of the Spirit to the puny mind of man, what we're left with is unbelief and religion. His ways are so much higher than our ways. So our desire um, for us as a church, for Redemption Hills, is to walk in step with the Holy Spirit like it's the most natural thing in the world. And we've heard the the, uh, cliche of naturally supernatural and supernaturally natural. It's a cliche for a reason. And as a church, as we are united in this place we're listening and yeah we are united in this place we're listening and responding to the same spirit so we're going to be on the same page our greatest responsibility uh, in leadership and as we disciple each other isn't to go around presenting catchy vision statements and kitschy novelties and the three p's of this and blah 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 of that Um, all that stuff is you know they can be tools i suppose but it's uh, to and but to use those things to try and keep us all together um missing the point uh, our, our role is to equip the saints the priesthood of all believers that's all of us and to equip each other to live out the work of the ministry through the holy spirit because he knows what he's doing he has us on the same page um, it, it's for us to provide a framework for this to happen uh, banks for the river uh, of the the river from the from the holy spirit so that uh, we're not trudging around in a swamp it's uh, we all, like sheep, have gone astray, and if anyone's been a sheep farmer, you know what sheep are like. Um, but my sheep know my voice. So do you know his voice? When we are united under Jesus as king and responding to the helper that he sent us, then we have everything that we need. We don't need all the other stuff. It doesn't we don't we need it to not get in the way is I guess what I'm trying to say because it's a poor and a weak substitute for hearing and obeying the voice of God and when we uh, approach things from this foundation we're not growing a church we're advancing his kingdom and we were reminded this week that his kingdom is only advanced when people meet Jesus when they enter it um, we can disciple each other build ourselves up in knowledge and all this kind of stuff that's kingdom enhancement but the kingdom is only advancing when people meet Jesus. So when his church, when we perceive rightly, trust wholeheartedly and obey fully, his kingdom is advanced with unstoppable force. Holy Spirit, I thank you that uh, you are at work, that you called this group of people together for a purpose. And God, I pray uh, that you would help us to tune into you in intimacy, to hear your voice, to be sheep that know your voice and follow your commands. And God, I ask uh, in this moment if there's anything that uh, 
that we put on that gets in the way of that? God, would you just, just right now, just, just reveal those things? If there are places that we need to surrender just a little bit more, things that we need to hand over, Holy Spirit, just put your fingers on those. God, we want to advance your kingdom. We want to move in the power of your spirit in signs, wonders, miracles. That The greatest miracle is somebody meeting you for the first time. That when someone is healed, the gospel, as we read in the word, when somebody is healed or a miracle happens, the gospel proceeds or follows it. It's intricately entwined with the gospel of the kingdom. So God, help us to hear and obey you. Help us to lay ourselves bare before you. We need your empowering presence. Thank you for your grace. Take us to places where we do the things that we can't do because you do them through us.